Hello, my name is Claire Heffron and welcome to this week's episode of the Geneva Centre for Security Policy podcast on the latest issues advancing peace, security and international cooperation. Latin America is a region vulnerable to the current international climate. Even though the continent has made big economic strides in recent years, it's often still affected by political and economic unrest. We discussed its current challenges with Dr. Elena Lazaro, an associate fellow at Chatham House. Her research focuses on EU relations with Brazil and Latin America. And Central Asia and the West Balkans has emerged as a key region with significant security challenges. In recent years, its nations have experienced conflict over borders, political unrest and inter-ethnic violence. We discuss these issues with Dr. Paul Dunay, a professor at George C. Marshall European Centre for Security Studies. Latin America is known for its political instability and economic tension. Earlier, we spoke to Dr. Eleanor Lazaro, an associate fellow at Chatham House. What challenges currently face um, the Latin American region? I always speak about the region with caution because, of course, it's a, it's a vast region. Um, and I have to say this here that Latin America as a concept encompasses very different parts of the Americas with different, uh, different sets of challenges. So the first is the challenge of regional integration and regional cooperation. This is always a challenge uh, in, the, in the Americas, and I would say most in Latin America and South America, in the sense of getting um, some substantial, uh, robust, and sustainable regional cooperation format off the ground. Um, so the one big challenge of the region, which has always been to work closer together, I think is, is exacerbated by, by the coronavirus in a sense, because we've, it's a problem, it's a transborder problem, it's a problem that the region the world, in fact, has to face together. And, and a second, of course, challenge that's been there for a while, and I, we, we should be seeing its, the effects of the coronavirus on it, is, of course, the economy. Economic development is a long-standing um, problem and challenge to the region, uh, very much linked to the state of industrialization, which is yet to has yet to reach the levels that, that, that would be desired in the region and therefore keeps throwing the region back every time we have a new global economic slump uh, or an end of a commodities boom that may help the region rise economically for a while, but then it backtracks. So um, the economy uh, is linked on the one hand to the level of industrialization, but also the level of infrastructure development in the region. And, and, and again, uh, I think the economic effects of the coronavirus will be felt very much because exactly the region is not as advanced as it should be in, in, the, in the development of infrastructure. So that longstanding challenge is also linked. Um, a third big challenge of, 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 that Latin America faces always and consistently is of course social inequality. It's actually the most unequal region in the world. Um, I can already see how this will also be uh, something that we'll see play out during uh, the coronavirus, the response to the coronavirus epidemic. Obviously, this inequality touches upon a number of, of issues such as access to education, but also access to healthcare. Um, and, and, and clearly, these, these things will come into play in, in the next few months. Um, it's perhaps the biggest problem that the region has faced consistently and which is linked to the last challenge that I wanted to mention among the many, which is democracy. 
several countries in Latin America are relatively new uh, in terms of their democratic experience, which means that we have different levels of democratization, different levels of the um, of achieving the balance between um, the division of powers, and we op often see abuse of powers in some one or more of the institutions, be it the judiciary, for example, or the executive. And lately, this discussion about democracy in Latin America has unfortunately also been linked to the rise of populism, uh, which has brought to, to power several um, leaders that in one way or another seem to challenge the basic premises of democracy. So that challenge too is very much present in the past few years. Uh, my next question is actually looking at the optimistic side and what are the opportunities facing the, um, the conceptual region of Latin America? Well, the region is, of course, very rich in, in, in certain commodities. So, of course, uh, how to integrate this, uh, the export of these commodities, both in the global trade system, but also how to gradually create an industrial basis to actually become a uh, part of the um, productive and industrial sector is an opportunity and, and, and we may see this in the next few years and that obviously is linked to attracting investment. So the natural resources are there. Uh, I think one big challenge is to attract investment, to attract know-how, to attract um, R&D, um, so actually to help uh, not only export these commodities abroad but also to bring the, the know-how and the technology to develop um, new patents and new, new technologies in Latin America. So I think that's, that's one promising area. Um, the second promising area uh, is um, possibly cyber governance um, and everything to do with digitalization. Um, it's interesting because Latin America is vast in territory, but it's actually very sparsely populated if one compares it to Europe, for example, not even comparing to other parts of the world. So digitalization can, in that context, offer um, a lot of opportunities. Uh, and I, it remains to be seen, of course, how digitalization, further digitalization will be, will be implemented. There is a big conversation right now about which providers will bring 5G, for example, to, 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 to South America specifically, but also Latin America. But in any case, you asked about opportunities and I think um, becoming more digit, even more digital, because parts of Latin America are already surprisingly online uh, to, a, to, very, very big, to a big percentage. But I think becoming more digital, working even more in that area of cyber space uh, will definitely be something that we could see this region uh, becoming quite uh, advanced at and it definitely would work in its favor. Uh, third opportunity, um, although it hasn't looked that good in, in the past year, um, environmental policy, um, managing deforestation, let's not forget that the Amazon is in this region. There's been a lot of criticism, and, and rightly so, uh, in my opinion, towards the way that the most recent um, fires and deforestation were managed, but you know, looking forward and considering that there are several several countries in South America specifically that do prioritize um, 
the protection of climate in their in their foreign policies and domestic policies. I think that if the region were to get its act straight, it could really help help counter deforestation and and promote and sustain biodiversity uh, to an extent that it would really rise as an actor as it has done before uh, in, in in environmental uh, in global environmental politics. Um, so I, I would say these are the opportunities. There are a few crises in the region that at the moment are more challenges than opportunities. For example, resolving the political and humanitarian crisis in Venezuela um, would be one. Um, overcoming the uh, political crises in several countries where we've seen political unrest uh, in the past year. So for example, Colombia or Ecuador or Chile. Um, Obviously, these have been dealt with more as crises than, than opportunities, but if one were to see from the optimistic lens, these could also be opportunities to see the, uh, in the future the establishment of more democratic, more egalitarian regimes in, in these countries. My final question to you, I always love asking this question because uh, I hope it gives a platform for people to be able to speak about um, their regions and of expertise in a way that Maybe they're not normally asked, but um, what is misunderstood? Is there something that um, maybe in Europe or in the rest of the world we are not quite grasping about um, the difficulties or um, just the, the daily life or things about the region that are misunderstood? Uh, Latin American and South American identities, societal identities are very, very complex. They definitely... Um, carry in them an element of what we would call here westernness <laughs> westness um, so this the, the what it has been inherited indeed by by the years of, of colonization um, but on the other hand this goes hand in hand with a um, I would say rather significant um, recognition of of the fact that uh, people are all different from their counterparts in, in Europe and the US. Um, there is an increasing understanding of uh, the influence that indigenous people have played in the cultures. There is a, um, a there is a multiculturalism within Latin American nations that is very distinct. Uh, and I I think this this mix of, of cultural heritage, which also is manifested in, in things like religious syncretism or the music and the filmography of the region, is, I think is something that it's, it's not, let's say, understood as well uh, for those that don't study the region and for those who do, it's a constant exploration. We are too often caught by surprise in the present and using practices from the past to manage challenges. At the Geneva Center for Security Policy, we help you get in front of unexpected or unwelcome events to better anticipate how the future may unfold in specific contexts. Such an approach can create the space for adaptable and resilient policymaking. I am Emily Monroe, and I'm the course director for the Strategic Foresight Tools and Techniques for Planning in Uncertain Times course. At the Geneva Center for Security Policy, we emphasize a three-pronged approach to strategic anticipation, adapting mindsets, integrating futures in institutional contexts, exposure to foresight methods. In this course, we will help you develop your own toolbox of foresight methods 
and explore how foresight is used by institutions, both the success stories and the obstacles encountered. We would like you to leave with a skill set on strategic foresight, a deeper level of knowledge on emerging security issues, and a wider network in this field. Join this course to exchange on your experience with participants and experts from different sectors and from different parts of the world. Please contact us with any questions and register directly via the GCSP website. The Western Balkans and Central Asian states currently face common security challenges from crime, corruption, terrorism and faltering commitments to economic and democratic reform. We spoke to Dr. Paul Dinay, Professor at George C. Marshall European Centre for Security Studies. He shared with us his thoughts on the current situation. Central Asia, the economic transformation has not occurred. Most of the production is low value added. It's either coming from natural resource uh, exploitation or from uh, agriculture. As a consequence, uh, people are leaving because they are not willing to be engaged in these kind of uh, jobs. So basically, entire Central Asia, except for Kazakhstan, is, is uh, playing into the labor market of the Russian Federation and to some extent some other countries, but 93% of all people who leave Central Asia leave it for the Russian Federation, language, links, uh, history, and so on and so forth. Uh, for them, the biggest challenge is that economic transformation hasn't yet taken place and the two external players which are pulling and pushing uh, these countries are definitely the Russian Federation and China. The Russian Federation and China, which are quite lukewarm about political regimes, as long as the political regimes do not, contribute, do not contradict much to their political regimes. So there I am really worried about a stalemate, and of course this kind of stalemated situations can only be managed through unconstitutional change. In some cases, Kyrgyzstan is the case in point, it had two non-constitutional regime changes, 2005-2010. In neither case the situation got significantly better, lastingly. As a consequence, people are disillusioned, disenchanted, they turn their back on public affairs, and as a consequence, uh, the political space is left for people who uh, want to benefit for themselves and not necessarily for the countries. Uh, we see changes. Uzbekistan is now flying high, really going through a very healthy change after 26 years of uh, dictatorial and fairly unpleasant regime. Uh, at the same time, Kazakhstan is slowing down Kazakhstan, which used to be the engine of uh, Central Asia. But now with this kind of divided political leadership, I'm not so sure that it will uh, maintain its uh, advancement. Uh, so it's a lot of problems coexisting. Probably in Central Asia, good governance is an issue. Huge corruption and uh, political disillusionment of, of the local population. That's all we have now for today's episode. Thank you to Dr. Eleanor Lazaro for joining us along with Dr. Pal Dunay. Listen to us again next week to hear all the latest insights on international peace and security. Bye for now. Bye for now. <laughs>